From the sandy beaches of Hawaii comes a wave of God's love and the challenge to go deeper. Paddle out with us and experience the thrills of the radical plan God has for your life. It's Deep Adventure Radio with your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. Viva Cristo Rey and welcome to the Bear Wozniak Adventure. One of the greatest things about my life is because I have this radio show, I get to talk with all kinds of people. The kind of people that probably would never even talk to me, I get to talk to. And one of them is one of my heroes of the faith. Uh, Mike Aquilina is our guest today. Author of how many books now, Mike, have you, have you authored or co-authored? I don't know. It's up around 54, I believe. So you're like uh, you're bird-dogging uh, Peter Kraft and Louis L'Amour. <laughs> <laughs> Only their books are a lot better. <laughs> Mike, no, your books are so good for people like me because, well, especially there tends to be a specialization on the, on the history of the church and in the early church fathers, and it makes it uh, understandable for me. You know, I read the early church fathers, but when I read your writings about them, uh, you know, there's a, I don't know, you, you write in an everyday language that I can understand. So I, I love your books. So we're going to be talking. Well, thank you so much, Bear. <laughs> That's very kind of you to say. You know, and to be in the presence of a rock and roll uh, uh, lyricist, you know, you're a rock and roll, <laughs> you write music now with Dion. So um, people ask me, I was at the, the Napa Institute, and of course your name seems to come up. I don't know why. Can't figure that out. <laughs> you guys know Mike Aquilino? I go, Oh, yeah, isn't he that rock and roll writer? He writes rock and roll music. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I know well, Michael Aquilina. <laughs> How many songs have you guys written together now? Oh, I don't know. Uh, lots and lots and lots and lots. But um, uh, uh, t- two of them have been recorded. Two, two albums of songs have been recorded and released. The album Tank Full of Blues and then the album New York is My Home. We did those two albums together. And now, right now, Dion's been in the studio for some time recording a third album of songs. I don't know what that will be titled, but, uh, but there's a lot more material on that album. And then there's a lot of material that, uh, that, that, uh, that we've written together that he hasn't yet recorded. So, uh, so we've done a lot. Dude, and, it's uh, crazy, man. It's, of, just oh, so, yeah. it's so crazy. <laughs> and, you know, we use his, his uh, I love his song, uh, Let's Ride Together. It starts out with the sound of motorcycles. Oh, yeah. And we, yeah, I love that song, too. Yeah, and you got us permission to use that. We used it on Long Ride Home. And uh, <laughs> Hey, so you've inspired me. You know, I used to be in a rock and roll band. Did you? What's yeah. your instrument? Well, uh, it's certainly not voice. Uh, <laughs> I played the drums. I played the guitar. I played the, ukule- cool. I played the ukulele now. But, you know, through Facebook, we, we got back together. And so oh, wow. we're thinking about doing a reunion tour. Wow, oh. I can picture you drumming, you know, oh. like 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 Animal and the Muppets. I yeah. can picture that. Oh, come on. Well, yeah, I was thinking more <laughs> like the drums at, uh, of, of Braveheart. But no, and so we're going to go do a tour of the places we used to play. We're going to play My Garage, if the people who own that house now will let us in, and the, and the, church, <laughs> and the church basement. It is going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That that should be wonderful. I hope you get good video. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be. And you know, and they, it was so funny because I did get to sing in one song. I had my. I got to sing "Oh Baby." I think we played "Let's Go to the Hop," <laughs> and I got to say "Oh Baby." That's about the limits of that. But you know what? Actually, Mike, you know what sounded kind of cool is when I was young, uh, I couldn't sing at all. I mean, my mom and dad were embarrassed when we would go to mass. I'd say, "Don't sing out loud." And my dad would stand at the keyboard of the piano and say, no, play, sing the letter C or whatever that was. And actually, I was in the church choir, and then my nun said, you know, uh, 
for Mass, uh, we, we would like for you to mouth the words and not sing out loud. That's how <laughs> bad it was. And then something, oh I would say it was a miracle, Mike. I, I, I remember when I was 19, I gave my life to the Lord. Powerful mm-hmm. conversion. I was up at a charismatic prayer meeting. I think the, the prayer group in Dallas was called the Community of God's Delight. And oh, wow. uh, I was singing there. My mom was on one side and my dad was on the other. And they both look at me and they go, he's singing on key. And uh, not saying I have the greatest vocalist voice, but I ended up leading worship at, at different charismatic uh, prayer groups back in the rock and roll days, the wild, wild west days of the, of the early Catholic charismatic renewal. That's, that's an awesome story. That's great. You sang a new song to the Lord. That's great. Uh, it, you know, he says make a joyful noise, but I think he got <laughs> tired of it. So. But anyways, we're talking with Mike Aquilino. How did you, how did your, work, your retreat go last weekend with Pete Sox and those guys? Oh, it went well. It went well. It was, uh, it was an all-day um, seminar, and, and we talked about some points of Catholic social teaching, uh, especially as they were lived in the, um, in the time of the Church Fathers. So it was good. It was a great group of people, and of course, Pete's always a delight to be with. So he showed us to uh, to one of the local brew pubs, and we, we got to taste the local brew. Oh, and <laughs> so nice! Yeah, and it was it was a great time. We had a we had a wonderful time. It also coincided with my in laws' 60th anniversary, their wedding, wow. and so we we got to celebrate that after the the retreat at Immaculate Conception in New Oxford. It's so cool, you know, because you go back to I don't want to get off too much on the subject, but even in the Didache, they were talked about social teaching. You know, the, the a, a, a abortion was brought up right in there, and other things, pedophile, pedophilia, and things like that, right from the early mm-hmm. church. You know, uh, but let's not get let's not get too carried off on on that. But Pit, Pete Sox is a pit bull. <laughs> he is. He comes he out. Is. He acts really mellow, but man, is he a pit bull? But you texted me. You texted me last week, and I think it's so cute because I tell people about this. Like right now, Mike talking with on the radio. Are you? Does, are you nervous? Or you just feel like you're having a cup of coffee with a friend? Uh, well, on the radio, I'm fine. Yeah, uh, and on I don't TV. Get nervous. And on TV. <laughs> you're fine. Uh, I'm fine. Yeah. I don't get. I don't get very nervous. But on what TV. is it about you and me when we speak in front of uh, people? Is it because we want to make an impact, or what is it that? I'm not terrified, I, but I'm like, what is it? <laughs> I think it. I think it's it's uh, just basic shyness. You know, they say that that public speaking is um, is the number one American fear, and uh, and I think that the reason the reason for that is that that a lot of people are just shy, and it's uh, you know the 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 cue for me is looking out there and seeing people looking back at me. Now, when I'm talking to you, Bear, on the phone, well, you're an old friend. So, you know, you're a comforted, comforting voice, you know, and there's no social phobia about it because I'm not looking at a stranger. I'm not looking at a set of eyes I, I, uh, I may deem to be judging me or a threat or, or something, you know, at some animal level. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing strange about it. But, um, and it's the same way on television. But, uh but when I'm um, when I'm out there speaking, I'm looking out on a whole bunch of strangers. It's a different story. Well, also I think it is like I'm I'm totally comfortable uh, sp- speaking in public, but when I'm sharing the gospel, it's like I feel this desperate need to communicate mm. uh, to mm-hmm. to reach people's hearts. And I especially hate it when I'm speaking and the archbishop is shaking his head back and forth. I mean that's just a bad feeling. Just kidding, Mike. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but it is kind of humbling when you're speaking. You see a bishop, a bishop, and all these great priests and stuff out there. You're like, what are they doing in heaven? What am I? What am I like? Some primate up here talking, you know? So, but uh, I, lo- I I love the humility and the the grace that you shared with me before we spoke at in the Kansas City Chiefs thing a couple of years ago. And I go, yeah, I get it, the exact same thing. And yet you could talk on radio and TV, and you're and you're just uh, this prolific writer. And you know, uh, I I began to read. I get up early in the morning and read uh, read my. Uh, I spend it an hour or so in prayer and then also reading. And uh, so I started oh, nice. dig, digging into your latest book, The Apostles and Their Times. Now, The Apostles, is this a motorcycle group that used to be back in the early days of the tw- 20th century? Or who were these guys? Well, well, you'd almost think they were on motorcycles, the kind of mileage they covered, right? Uh, I mean, you think, you think about it, they were living in a time where there was no mass transit. Yeah, there was no way to get from from point A to a distant point B in a little bit of time because because the roads weren't great. The 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 there were there were no engines, no internal combustion engines that were going to propel you along paved roads at high speed. There was no such thing as a passenger ship. These things did not exist. If you wanted if you wanted to cross the ocean, if you wanted to, to get to to uh, if you wanted to get from from the Holy Land to Rome, for example, well, you'd have to get on a ship and take a dangerous voyage, and you'd probably be sleeping with the cargo, and the food would be wretched, and the sanitary conditions would be awful, and you'd take on a lot of risks. So, you know, you think about the kind of mileage they covered, and you'd swear they were on motorcycles or or something even faster. I mean, you think about it. St. Thomas heads out all the way over to India. Mm-hmm. And uh, who was the the the, uh, the was it Andrew they say made it all the way over to uh, Spain or who, who, who was the was it Saint James? I no, that was Saint James, right? Yeah. The, the, uh, you know, cause, because the, um, the the shrine is there in Compostela, right? Have you been there, by the way? I have not. I've never been to Spain, as the song song goes. <laughs> it needs another. It needs another verse. Maybe you can uh, go there and write it, but. Yeah, uh, and you know, think about it. these guys were rugged. Because let's just let's paint the picture. Jesus and his disciples are walking from Galilee to Jerusalem, uh, you know, uh, over to where Lazarus's house was. And I mean, the, the mm-hmm. terrain is rugged, and they're not wearing mm-hmm. Nikes, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. Now, now, you know, I think I think uh, you know our Father God took that into consideration because some some remarkable things happened in the years just before uh, the, the coming of our Lord. And I talk about that in the book. You know, first of all, Alexander the Great conquered a lot of the no, no, known word. Yeah. Alexander the Great conquered a lot of the known world. I knew I would get it out eventually. And, uh, and, and, and so there was this common culture, at least that a lot of people were exposed to, and something of a common language in Greek. So they could communicate with people in distant lands, and, and the people there were kind of ready to hear it. Uh, a couple of other things happened. One is that the Roman Empire was just rising at that time, and one of the things that the Romans did to unify the empire was establish a system of roads. You know, like we have our interstate highway system in the United States. They established a system of international roads. You can go online now and look at these remarkable maps of the international roads that the Romans built. So all of that was happening at that time. Another thing happened. Hold on, Mike. Hold on, Mike. Hold on. We'll be right back. Mike and I, Mike is uh, talking at 40 miles an hour, gusting (laughs) to 160. We'll be right back with the Bear Wozniak Adventure. 
Deep Adventure Radio, going deeper into the heart of God. Now, back to Paradise and Deep Adventure Radio. Welcome back to the Bear Wozniak Adventure. Uh, we have, you know, normally I do a nice long little introduction and talk story about different things, but um, last I heard, uh, Mike Aquilina was gusting at 150 miles an hour, uh, sharing with us about this, this the, the way that the Lord prepared uh, the, the, the shipping lanes, the highways, the culture to be ready to receive the gospel. So you were talking about the sailors, uh, Mike. When we uh, uh, well, but I'll, I'll back up a little bit. You know, the Alexander. Uh, you know, when I told about how he, how he conquered the world war. Well, one of the byproducts of of his of his adventures in the Far East. You know, he he died at a very young age, and he didn't he didn't accomplish what he set out to do. But but one of the byproducts of his military mission was that there was a trade route established to the Far East. Not only um, by uh, by sea, but by land, uh, there was uh, what we now call the uh, the Silk Road that that went from 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 the west to the east, so that trade could could uh, goods could pass fairly easily uh, from places like China and India, and eventually reach Rome because that was a big market. Everybody wanted a piece of that action. Everybody wanted to do business there. Uh, it said that that Rome spent millions on on pepper. Every year, they were addicted to Indian pepper for their dishes. So, uh, so there was a lot of a lot of money to be made. But Alex, uh, and so, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, uh, you know, you know me, Bear. If you don't just stomp on me, no, I'm gonna go, go, talking. Mike. Keep going. Keep keep going. Keep going. <laughs> so there was there was the road system. You know, first of all, the the international roads established by Rome, but also the trade route with the East. But but then, as you point out, there was uh, you know just just in the years. Uh, just at the, the time our Lord came, there, there, was a, there was a discovery of the technique for sailing on the open sea. You know, uh, a mariner of that time, Hippolytus, uh, discovered this way uh, so, to, to sail so that the, the ships didn't have to hug the shore 
as they had been doing for centuries. They could travel on the open sea, uh, catch the winds that, that could, could speed them to distant lands, and, uh, and, and get there in a lot less time. So it's almost as if God saw this coming. Imagine that, and prepared the way for the apostles to get out to the world, to go out to the world and tell the good news. I mean, when you think about it, uh, the world was, uh, there was never anything like it. You know, Alexander went to the east, and in, and in, his, in his lifetime, he did what it took Rome probably three or four hundred years to accomplish, you know, to establish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the, 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 the stone pavings of Rome, they're still there. But when you look at these apostles, I mean, oh, St. Peter, the beautiful statue, the man mm-hmm. holding the keys to the kingdom, he didn't look like that. What, 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 what was the nature of these, of these, these men that, that Jesus called to him? Well, what I try to show in my book the, uh, on the apostles and their times is that, is that they were men of their times, that they had certain concerns, they had certain delights, they, uh, you know, they had certain entertainment, certain kinds of songs they sang. There, there was a culture that they experienced, and if we know more about that culture, it really does shed light on the texts that reveal their lives to us. So if we get to know more about that culture, we're going to understand, for example, the Acts of the Apostles and the decisions they made and the dilemmas they faced. If we, if we, if we know more about the world they lived in, then we're going to understand the letters of the Apostles, the letters of St. Paul, St. Peter, St. John, St. James, and we're going to understand you know, what were their concerns? You know, what were the limitations they faced? Uh, how, how, how were they... Um, how were they uh, dealing with the problems that the uh, the wider culture presented to them, and we'll know the Book of Revelation and all the things that are happening there, um, and uh, and 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 what these details mean when we when we encounter them. The little little details in the text that that seem seem difficult for us, but in light of the times, uh, are are a little less obscure. You, but you know, you, you, your book makes it real, like Cindy's uh, Cindy's. Family, her history is fisherman all the way back to the pirate days here in Florida. Mm-hmm. When you oh, shake wow. her brother's hand and when you shake her nephew's hand, it's calloused and grizzled and tough because they've been uh-huh. pulling it. You know what I mean, Peter? Yeah. Peter, this this fisherman, and mm-hmm. oh, something so cool I came to understand. Peter threw nets, but they also used fishing hooks. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm coming to realize. I mean, it's kind of funny. I was at the Napa Institute. I think, no, I was at Mass uh, down in Orange County someplace. And the scripture that day was throw in, use a fish hook to, to pull in a fish to, to pay the, uh, Caesar's taxes. Um, uh-huh. And I'm thinking, you know, our radio show is like a big fishing net, but when I do uh, very unique uh, speeches or certain types of social media, I'm using a fish hook. I want to attract yes. a certain type of person to the gospel. And, but, I mean, to yes. know that Peter used both of those, says something about him. To know that these guys uh, r- hiked rugged mountains. When they, think about what, what was it like when these guys came rolling into town. When Jesus came rolling into town with his disciples, didn't some of them act as bodyguards? Were there people that went out in front to arrange for housing? I mean, get down to the nuts and bolts of, uh, of what, it was, what it was like for people when they saw these guys rolling into town as a, as a, as a gang. You know, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but... <laughs> Yeah, you know, absolutely, because otherwise we just imagine it in our own terms. Uh, You you know, you point out some things that that should be obvious. 
for example, you know, the, the impediments they had to communication. Uh, there, were, uh, there were no printing presses at that time. And to, to duplicate any message at all, even a short message, was terrifically expensive because you had to hire a scribe to sit there and copy it and then start over and recopy it and then start over and recopy it. And this took hours of time. So, so to, to get the message out in any kind of mass media was, was either expensive or impossible. And, you know, if you didn't have a lot of money, well, it was just impossible. Uh, so the apostles faced these limitations, and, uh, and they're hard for us to imagine today. Also, you know, as I said before, you know, you think about uh, taking a trip to Rome, and I've, I've made many trips to Rome for business, and, and I know what I do. You know, I get on, go online, I get on Expedia, you know, I look at all the flights available to me, and I, I click the box on one of them. And and uh, and then everything is all all arranged through PayPal or whatever, and um, and and it just goes through very smoothly. And I know that I'm going to get a meal on the plane. I'm going to get a few hours sleep on the plane. But the apostles didn't have anything like that that was available to them. They 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 there was nothing like that. As I said, even if you wanted to speed things up a little bit and take the open seas, it was still a dangerous proposition. You were vulnerable to shipwreck. You were vulnerable to pirates on the open sea, and uh, and 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 this was a, this was a hardship but, but, they faced and a hardship they willingly well, let took me, on. Let me ask you this question: Who else do we know of historically that ever did anything like that? There were soldiers, I, you know what I mean. Yeah. There were there were emissaries uh, being sent out, uh, but or people merchants, but mm -hmm. who would go do this for a guy that died? You know, because even you were, in, in the book, you mentioned in the book of Acts, there was another Jesus. There was several messiahs that would gather tons of people around him, and then they would be killed, and then their movement ended. Why would these, these men, fishermen, who had plenty of responsibility of their own, yeah. you know, who, who, whoever did that in the history of mankind would face all that kind of adversity? certainly wasn't a, for a pleasure trip. It, historically, you know, when you see that, it's it's an evidence for the resurrection. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, and and you 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 said it beautifully. I mean, uh, is there any historical parallel for this? Well, you could say that soldiers quite often made daring uh, missions like this. They they often risked these very dangers. But you know what? They weren't exactly doing it voluntarily. Now they may have been they they may have signed on voluntarily uh, for the military. They may have volunteered uh, for military service, but once they were in the military, they followed orders. and And I don't think many of them would have chosen to uh, to, to to undertake the most dangerous missions as these apostles did, because when you think about it, the apostles knew that they were going out into uh into opposition that they were going to be opposed that they would probably end up dead as a result of uh of of their uh their 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 mission work that they were going to offend people and they were going to offend uh the, the people who were highly placed and that they had a difficult message to put out there uh, they saw what had happened to Jesus, and Jesus warned them that you know what's good for the master is good for the disciple. So they were they were in a sense ready. They knew what they were getting into, and they they went out and did it anyway. I don't know, and I'm glad you asked that question because I don't know. I just can't think of another 
group that did that kind of And it of wasn't thing. just it groups. Took on that kind of risk. And Mike, it wasn't just groups. You know, here's what's crazy <laughs> about it. Thomas goes to India, James goes to uh to Spain or Portugal. Uh Paul's running up all over the place. Peter ends up in Rome with Paul. I mean, they they would go out with Bar- Paul would hang out with Bar- like one other person traveling with them. You know, it wasn't like they had a, a, a big support network. They built their own network kind of as they went. We're talking with Mike Aquilina. He is one of my favorite authors, author of a new book, The Apostles and Their Times. And, you know, this show isn't about interviewing people who write books, but I always get Mike on when he comes on a new one. This is the Bear Wozniak Adventure. We'll be right back with more. Deep Adventure Radio, where the surf is always up. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Aloha, this is Bear Wozniak from DeepAdventure.com with Deep Virtue number 82. This is called The Best Perspectives Are From the Edge. My my children were younger, my two youngest sons, Shane and Joshua. I was a ninja black belt, and I was training them to get their black belts too. They were in high school, and some were in junior high school. And I would take them hiking at night. I used to hike every single night. Uh, go out into the mountains behind my house in Southern California. You could be so alone up there so fast, not a light uh, shining anywhere. And we would go hiking at night, and we'd go up into the mountains, and uh, and we would do our ninja training up there because a lot of the ninja training is in the dark. Um, in fact, when you, if you're ever going to get in a fight, good chances it, may, it probably will be in the dark. And so we would hike there at nighttime, and we'd go way up on top of this one mountain. It's called Boney Ridge in Thousand Oaks, California. And when we would get up there, there's this kind of a flat rock, and we'd go through some of our, our um, fighting techniques. And then we'd sit on that rock and just look over um, Thousand Oaks and Ventura and over into the San Fernando Valley. And you had such a perspective 
Uh, and it made you realize that you've got to step out of the box sometimes in your life and get a new perspective. I want to challenge you to get away someplace into nature this week. Get away with the Lord and spend time with him and say, God, am I really just going through a routine? Am I missing something here? What is it? Is there, is there something that I'm missing? Is there a calling? Is there a new perspective I need to get from you? What Can I recreate my life in some way that gives it a new trajectory that's more uh, perfectly in tune with your perfect will, God? I believe that God has a passion project for each one of us. There's something that he's calling you to that only you can do. And I'm challenging you to get away with the Lord and discover what that is. This is Bear Wozniak from DeepAdventure.com with Deep Virtue number 82. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Find out more at DeepAdventure.com. Now, back to Paradise and Deep Adventure Radio. Viva Cristo Rey. This is Bear Wozniak with the Bear Wozniak Adventure. We take that statement, Viva Cristo Rey, seriously. It was the cry of the Cristeros in the early 1900s who were being persecuted. The Mexican revolutionaries would ride in on their horses into the churches, desecrate the altars, kill the priests and the parishioners, and the response of the Cristeros was Viva Cristo Rey. We saw valiant men in, in Ireland uh, doing the same thing when they were being held under. Uh, we saw it in the French Revolution. We, saw it, we see people in the Middle East now still standing, uh, being a witness, which is, the word, which is what the word martyr means. Uh, and we want to challenge men to come together again and make a stand in our time. Uh, we, have a, we, have a group, we have a group called Bears Man Cave. Mike, I think you're a, you're a member there, aren't you? Bears Man Cave. I am. It's kind of cool what is organically happening. After the TV show Long Ride Home, First aired. It's airing again now, by the way, on EWTN and on the Armed Forces Network. Um, <clears throat> there was men started to reach out to me and say, hey, we want to get together with other guys and watch your show or do something. We, you know, they saw us running as a pack. How can we run as a pack? And mm-hmm. so um, the guys from the Catholic Man Show, these two young men, David uh, Minahan and uh, uh, David Niles and a- Adam Minahan, they have this cool radio show in Oklahoma, uh, told me they started a private Facebook group called the Council of Man. So I started a private Facebook group called the Bears Man Cave. We're still just <laughs> getting it started. We're not promoting it big time. But we do these uh, Google Hangouts every few weeks, and, uh, and uh, we get together and we're kind of strategizing. How will we share the gospel? And so these men that are part of my man cave are now starting their local man caves, getting together for coffee with other men, uh, maybe reading a, a GK book or... Maybe they're uh, reading my, my, one of my books or one of your books and uh, just talking about the Lord. A lot of them, some of them are meeting in pubs. Some of them are having cigars and, uh, and whiskey uh, in the back of someone's home. But it's kind of time for men to be men again. And I tell you what, it's kind of interesting, Mike. Uh, we have a new line of cigars coming out. Can you believe this? Uh, that we're the only ministry. <laughs> we have a line of cigars called the Bears Man Cave. Seven virtues. So there's three Maduros no. that have uh, the three theological virtues, and then there's a four milder blends that have the uh, the um, the four cardinal virtues. And when you open up the wrapper, there's a quote in there that kind of starts discussion. It's a great way to start a dialogue with other men. But I think the cigar and the motorcycle thing that we do, I think it kind of is a man cave. I think men need to start cloistering themselves just a little bit get together with each other, and not talk about politics. I mean, yes, if you're going to be proactive and go do something, that's different. But if you're just going to sit and talk about it and whine about it, drop the subject. Talk about what's going on in the deepest part of your heart, what's going on with your families, 
what's going on in your walk with the Lord. And we have a code, uh, one of the codes of our man's club. If you're going to be a member, you need to spend an hour every day in prayer. Um, mm. But, you know, the thing about, the thing about um, Jesus is he had this core group. He had a lot of followers, thousands. You say in your book, more than the Pharisees and Sadducees combined at times. <laughs> but he had these 12, and then he had his three. And of course, yeah. they all, and so this was their man cave. They would travel, they would sleep with their heads on stones. And of course, the ultimate man, yeah. the ultimate man cave is, is, is the cave that Jesus came out of on resurrection morning. But they had this, they, they had this sense of tightness amongst themselves, and men need that again. Anyway, go with what you were going to say. Whatever you're about to say, Mike, go for it. No, you, you just, you know, you bring up a really good point that, uh, that there were, there were a lot of people uh, spreading the word. You know, we know most about the apostles because we have the Acts of the Apostles, and we know that where their tombs are and that sort of thing. But what's interesting is that in the letters of the apostles and in the Acts of the Apostles, we hear about these other people, other Christians, who are going out there on their own initiative and in the course of their ordinary work, you know, people like... Um, uh, you know, like Priscilla and Aquila, who were making tents, you know, and bouncing from one place to another because of troubles in Rome and that sort of that sort of thing. Uh, they just had to do their work, and in the course of their work, they were reaching other people, and uh, and 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 that's going on. It's it's in addition to the official, what we might call the institutional work of the church, that's done by the apostles. There's a great um, chronicle from the early church, uh, and it's. Uh, it's called um, the. It, it's it's one of the early chronicles of Edessa. It's called the Acts of a Die, and it's about the apostle who's often been identified with Saint Jude going to Edessa. And you know when he gets there, he finds a great number of people who are already Christian, but they don't have a church because they don't have priests. So he sets about identifying men there in Edessa who have been living the faith heroically in spite of all these these uh, difficulties and in spite of the fact that they don't have access to the sacraments. But they've been living the faith already because they had heard the gospel. Uh, but they, they had received it from these unofficial people, probably, you know, people who were just merchants going from town to town, maybe physicians going from town to town, and they'll, they'd do their business, and they'd say, hey, let me tell you about something I just found out. <laughs> and, and you know, it's, uh, they, and it's more than that, the power of the Holy Spirit would fall on them. Yeah. What, what do you think how crazy this is? This is the crazy thought I have. Peter and the disciples, and even Mary, you know? Yeah. Jesus dies, he's resurrected, he ascends, and now there's that still small voice in their heart. They pray internally, and they sense Jesus within. When did that friend, who they knew, you know, walking these dusty streets, become this, this inner relationship? What, what, well, well, you know, he, think he about promised. That transition. You know, at the, at the Last Supper, he promised that he would send send another, send a counselor, send a consoler, um, send a paraclete to be with them, this advocate. And we know that now is the, you know, now we know that's the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and we see that when he rose from the dead, he, he breathed on, on his inner circle. He breathed on the apostles, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit whose sins you forgive are forgiven. And, uh, and so he gave the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, to the uh, to the apostles at that time, so that they could carry out their ministry, but then, you know, fifty days later on on Pentecost, we see something remarkable happen. We see the the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in power on the whole whole church. And what's what's beautiful is that we learn in retrospect that this was the reason for his coming. 
you know, why did God become man? Well, so that the, 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 the Son could give us the Holy Spirit, and we could enjoy communion with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we can enjoy communion with the Holy Trinity, I should say, uh, just as the, the Son enjoys communion with the Father, and, and the, the two of them are bound in the love that is the Holy Spirit, we are caught up in that love in the Church, in the sacraments. There's this outpouring of the Spirit that's given to us, and, it, and it's, it's our bond with God, so that God is working in us all the time, and God is working through us all the time, so that when we go out into the world, when we do our work, whether it's from 9 to 5 or we're working, working the graveyard shift or whatever it is, we're going out not just with Christ. That would be a cool thing. But we're going out as Christ. Amen. He's working wow. in us. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, Jason we're jo- his hands. Jason Jones calls it the Holy Spirit action plan. And when you ask the Lord in the beginning of the day to order your day, you know, whether you're going to your plumber or, or a technician, whatever you are, Get ready, uh, be alert, get excited, because the unexpected is going to happen. It's so funny to me, I'm kind of scared of going around corners when I'm walking, because I never know who's going to be there. You know, there's these surprises that the Lord has for us, uh, because the Holy Spirit's within us. I got a, I got a kind of a theological question for you. Um, I, well, I hope I, I can answer yeah, it. I, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I just, no one's ever, I've never, I've never read anywhere about this, and, I've, and, uh, and I'm just curious. I've, I've meditated, I've prayed about it, and pondered about uh, at Pentecost, when the flames fell, they were cloven flames, right? It was mm-hmm. cloven flames. And I know that the, the, the Holy Spirit is the love of the Father and the Son. And mm. so I've thought about the cloven being, being the, the... It's one flame, but there's that flame of the Father and the Son's love for each other. That is the Holy yeah. Spirit. Have there been any, any fathers writing up? I mean, do you think there's some validity to what I'm saying, or has about, about a million other people already said? I mean... You know, have the early church fathers mentioned that? Why the cloven flame? And the only thing I can think of is this is the love of the Father and the Son for each other. Well, you know, with the, 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 the period of the fathers covers about 700 years, and if there's something to be said, it was likely said. More than likely. And it's probably, <laughs> it's probably in there somewhere. I, I mean, I, 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 I'll have to go after we're off the air and look it up in the, um, in the Acts volume of the Ancient Christian Commentary on Scripture. That's where I usually go. Where is to it? See what, what is the this fathers... called? What is this called? It's a series of books called the Ancient Christian Commentary on Scripture, and what it does is it it collects together uh, the uh, the Church Fathers' preachings and teachings and commentaries on individual passages. Where the heck? So it where do I, heck the... do I get that? Uh, well, it's available from InterVarsity Press, and it's a multi-volume oh. set, and uh, and I find it very helpful. How cool! That's just yeah, so cool. Like, so you like have it. everywhere from Jerome. Uh, Jerome, of course, wrote his commentary and all these others. But like, if I want to read that verse, there might be a commentary about it. Well, you got to let us know because uh, yeah. I've been I've been thinking about Most this. Most likely, yeah. It was about a year ago when I finally said, oh, "I think I know. I think I know the secret." But whenever I figured out something really brand new and exciting, mm-hmm. one of the church fathers has already said it. <laughs> Isn't that a testimony, though, to the to the Holy Spirit it's, that we and share? And if they in haven't common? said, if they haven't said it, be worried, you know, kind of too. Yeah, you might be wrong, but, but but we're inspired by the same Spirit. So you know, even if we haven't been exposed to their writings, it's the same Holy Spirit who's inspiring these thoughts in us during during those times of prayer. We we're not we may not even be aware of the Spirit's work at the time, but sometimes, Amen. you know, years later, we're looking back on our lives and we're saying, wow. I can see the way God was working in that life, in, in my life at that moment. We're talking with Mike. Hey, hey, Mike, we've got to yeah. take a break. 
Now everybody knows. Everybody knows when I say Mike. Everyone knows I'm talking. About, I'm talking to Mike Aquilina. Everybody knows this voice, and his. You know, he's such a. You're such a kind of a, a, sort of like easygoing until you start talking about the Lord, and then it just. Uh, but uh, we'll be right back. This is the Bear Wozniak adventure. We got. Uh, we got a, a, one more opportunity to talk to, to talk to Mike. So we'll be right back. Deep Adventure Radio, the bold standard in radio. Surf's Up, real and radical ways to live your faith. This is Daniel the Boone Markham with this episode, Chivalry. One of my seven daughters recently commented with some surprise how pleased she was with her new suitor because he gave her respect, gentleness, and manners. Even though this was only her second suitor, I was struck by the fact she hadn't evidently experienced chivalry from a young man before. His chivalry, well, it lifted her up. Yet chivalry is nearly a lost art. Read a summy card that said, quote, Chivalry isn't dead, it just fell asleep on the couch with beer and the TV blaring. End of quote. Well, in some circles that is truer than we would like to admit. Years ago I was at a conference with some feminist friends who were might disappointed in me when I opened the door for them. My response, well, ladies, my mama learnt me to respect women in such ways. And my mama is still speaking to me from heaven. It's just the way it is. As a young lad, I clearly remember my mama saying as we were walking to the local hardware store, Daniel, always remember to walk a woman with you between her and the street. Yes, mama. Songwriter Trevor Wesley repeated my mama experience in his song Chivalry is Dead, writing, But I'm not a kid no more, so I must open doors and make you feel like the lady you are. My mama raised me to be classy, not flashy. I'm happy to please you, though I can tell that's not what you're used to. Men, being a gentleman is a choice. It's not a given. You work at it, and it's far more than taking out the trash or opening a door. Man up and treat women always with kindness and care, nurturing their womanhood with respect. They will respect you in return and make you feel like a real man. Nothing wrong with chivalry. And everything good about respect. This is Daniel Laboon Markham at DanielLaboonMarkham.com on a journey a few miles this side of him. Surf's up. Go deep or go home. Wax up your boards. Let's paddle in for another wave of Deep Adventure Radio. Welcome back to the Bear Wozniak Adventure. Uh, I am on the adventure of a lifetime. At, at, at the Deep Adventure Ministries, uh, we believe that the most radical thing you can do in life is abandon yourself 
to the wild adventure of God's will. There's nothing more wild than God. What is this? What is this with, with God who says, like, okay, Jesus, meek and mild, really nice guy, is going to come into the world. But first, let me send out John the Baptist, you know, crying out in the wilderness. And, of course, Jesus wasn't just meek and mild. He was tough, uh, tough as mm-hmm. nails. But what, what it, you know, the, the characters, that, the different ways that God speaks to us and, and, and uses us. Uh, and Mike Aquilina is sharing with us uh, about that. But I know when, when uh, I have a friend, Dallin Markham, when he's talking, he's just an easygoing guy. When he starts praying, it's like, whoa, step back. You know? <laughs> so, Mike, I want to ask you this question. Um, you're an author. You've written probably over 50 books uh, and a singer song uh, and a rock and roll lyric, uh, writer. But uh, what, for, what, what books have you been reading uh, this, this summer yourself what's on, what, or this last summer? What, or what's on your reading list coming up? I'm just curious what Mike is reading. Are you reading, uh, 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 yeah, just secular or Catholic or Christian? Or just tell me, tell me what's on your reading list. Well, a lot of my, my reading is uh, research for my next book. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I do try to, uh, I do try to, uh, to, to read to read uh, things for recreation as well. I don't have a lot of time to read for recreation, so um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll often read, read poetry. You know, it's short. I can read it before I go to bed at night, and it makes me, it makes me think of things that are, that are uh, sublime. You mentioned Chesterton before. Chesterton yeah. was a great poet. You know, his that? poetry is available there online. You can see it. Uh, I, I'm also fond of, of, of uh, other, other poets, Theodore Retke, Kenneth Patchen, uh, and uh, they, they make me think of, of, of things that are, uh, that are beautiful in the world and make me think of them in different ways, you know, especially the, my love for my wife. Oh, that's so beautiful, so beautiful. G.K., I mean, I got a, I've got a picture of him, a big portrait of him, a t- you know, printed on tin mm-hmm. out on my lanai where I have my cigars and I, and I enjoy my readings at night. But, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, know you think of him, uh, so many of his statements are um, not that He turns the world upside down. But to really yeah. get at the deeper things uh, in, the, the deepest things can't really be taught by pragmatic uh, philosophy or theology, they have to be allegorical in a sense, don't they? They have to be in and, images and, almost. And beautiful, and beautiful. You know, uh, the, the apostles knew this, and that's, uh, that's why they resorted to poetry and music as well. You know, we, we see that St. Paul finds himself in a prison cell, and, you know, when he's, when he's out there on his missionary journey, and uh, Barnabas is with him, and, and, and what do they do? They, they start singing hymns. And they teach them to their cellmates, and they're they're singing hymns together, and they're conveying the gospel in a way that's beautiful, in a way that's memorable, and in a way that's memorizable because it's beautiful. So so they're they're spreading the gospel through beauty. It's not just being out there as he was in Athens, and being out there with all of the the brainiacs and and uh, right. and arguing with them. No, you know, it's also just singing. Well, a song. well okay, but what about this then, Mike? So the early church. Uh, the sacraments are like that, right? I mean, of course, the body, the bread and wine are actually transformed, uh, transubstantiated into the body and blood and soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. But in the sacramental life, uh, the baptism by water, it's not just an, a symbol. No. Talk about the, that there's, there, there's, but there's something uh, deeper than, than uh, philosophically explaining transubstantiation, but when you receive the bread, you receive the wine when you re, when you're baptized. Uh, the oil 
uh, even the garments that are worn in the Catholic Church, the candles. Talk about what the early church, how that evolved in the early church. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's almost, with the individual, it's almost, almost as if you finally got the right lenses that would correct your vision. Oh. You know, I can remember, I think it was about 25 years ago, I, I, my, for, for whatever reason, my eye doctor just could not get my prescription right. And I would put on the, these glasses, and I, I, everything would go, go blurry on me. And so I'd have to return the glasses, and he'd, he'd you know, grind the new lenses and put them in there. And, 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 and we did this again and again. And like on the, on the third or fourth time, for whatever reason, it was, it was having— maybe, it was, maybe, it was he need, maybe he needed to get his eyes checked. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, you know, after, after all of these times, you know, we, we finally got a, the pair that worked, and I put them on my eyes, and man, it, it just like immediately I could see the world around me. And that's the experience I think the, uh, those, those Christians had, those early Christians had. You know, they, I, I, was, I was baptized as an infant, so, you know, I didn't go through that experience uh, exactly. But, you know, they, uh, they, they, had, they were growing up as pagans in a really pagan world that was estranged from God, that had no idea about revealed morality, and, was, uh, was, and, whose, and whose hearts were hardened against the, um, against the natural law. So they were living in a world that was just darkened. And they were they were living desperate lives, and then they were baptized. And suddenly, as you see in the in the accounts from the early church, they would they would look out on the world like they had those lenses, and they could see it right for the first time. And then they could That's they could right. work in a way that was That's... that was that was uh, conformable to to God's plan for that world. I remember, Mike. Uh, you know, uh, the next day after I gave my life to the Lord, the colors yeah. seemed brighter to me. <laughs> Everything seemed to be alive and living, and yes. and just more brilliant, you know. And yes, and, and and the sacrament and the sacraments did that. What sacraments do we? See? Where do we see the rudimentary elements of the sacrament in the primitive church? Oh, we have we have we have all of them. You know, the 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 Acts of the Apostles uh, shows us baptism happening again and again, and it is the event uh, for an individual. Uh, being received into the church, and uh, and uh, and of course, you know, if you get to the documents of the early church, like the Didache, uh, and scholars tell us that the ritual portions of the Didache were written no later than 48 A.D. Wow! So those parts of the Didache are older than most of the New Testament. And what's 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 in those parts? Well, detailed instructions about how to celebrate the Mass, and how to perform a baptism. You know, this is the kind of water you need, and it's got to be water. You know, uh, and 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 uh, and these are the prayers you you should be praying, and and so there's guidance in how to perform the sacraments. And, there, and it, it even says if if there isn't this kind, of, if you can't use running water, then then use this kind of water. If you can't do this, use this. In other words, they've already they've been doing this for a while. They've had to break down, you know, the different uh, yes. methods and approaches. So you can see that they were a sacramental church. But go on, tell me, tell me more. At, you know, that's absolutely – what we're seeing in 48 A.D. is already the fruit of the experience, the rich experiences of the apostles. So, so it's there in the, in the, uh, in the, the, the enactment of, of baptism and, and Eucharist. Uh, but, but, you know, we also see all through the documents of the early Church uh, the, um, the administration of, uh, of, of absolution and penance, confession – all of these things are taking place. Uh, we see the kind of anointing 
that we receive in confirmation. And of course, we see everywhere the laying on of hands that we know today by the term holy orders, ordination to the priesthood, ordination uh, to the office of bishop. All of these things were taking place in the early church, and so was, so was the anointing of the sick. And of course, Christians were getting married, and they were looking upon it as, as, a, as a holy bond, a lifelong bond, a faithful bond, and, uh, and, and it's a bond between a man and a woman. So many of these practices set the Christians apart. They were unique to Christianity, even though people in the know could look at them and see how they developed out of the religion of Israel, which was quite ancient. Well, we only have... I need to warn Mike that he has two minutes left. This is like his two-minute warning in, <laughs> in football. Um, yes. <laughs> the, bring this horse into the barn. Now I'm going to ask you a question that probably you can't answer in two minutes, but the, the <laughs> this Church of Jerusalem is so different from the other churches. The transition yeah. from being a temple-focused uh, uh, ch- church to uh, uh, the sacramental church, uh, you got one minute. <laughs> oh, my. Well, you know, uh, you bring up a good point, that the, the great cataclysm took place in that first century. Uh, the Jews uh, observed a religion that was centered on sacrifice. It was a sacrificial religion, the offering of the of the bodies of animals and the offerings of bread and wine, the, the uh, various uh, offerings of, of, um, of the crops, took place in only one place on the entire earth, and that was in Jerusalem, and within Jerusalem, only in the temple. So in 70 AD, you know, just a generation after our Lord's advent, the temple was destroyed. I mean, destroyed. You know, it was ground down to powder by the Romans, and so it created a crisis. And the, the Jerusalem church really was the place that, uh, that, that, that was the transition in the, the life of God's chosen people. Uh, his, his people, you know, Israel, were the, the firstborn. They were the eldest son, you know, and now God's promise was to extend to all of the earth, as, as the, the prophet Malachi had foretold, that, that God's name would be great among the nations, and a perfect sacrifice would be offered from the rising of the sun to its setting, from east to west, always and everywhere, and it would be offered among the Gentiles. And that's what, what, what's fulfilled in the lifetime of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, but we, we see it kind of dramatically, and even, even in a sense, tragically. Um, worked out in the life of Jerusalem. And now we got to go, Mike. And now we got to go. <laughs> We're out of time. This has been the Bear Wozniak Adventure. This is Deep Adventure Radio. Hear archived shows, buy Bear's book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul, and sign up for our Wave of the Week email at deepadventure.com. For the latest news on Bear and Deep Adventure, visit us on Facebook and share Deep Adventure with your friends. The most radical thing you can do in life is abandon yourself to the wild adventure of God's will. Deep Adventure Radio.